Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage today comes from Acts 2, 20, or excuse me, 1 through 21. Listen to what God is saying to you. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they are full of new wine. Peter stood with the other eleven apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect after all. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness, and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the, the Lord comes, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. May God add a blessing to the understanding and living out of this scripture. Thank you, Chris. Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Colton, Colton Lott. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, It is a great pleasure and honor to be here with you today. It's been a while since I've stood at the center of this aisle with a podium and something called a sermon before you, and it tickles me to death. Would you pray with me, please? Holy God, just as you did on that first Pentecost, we ask you to show up, to show up with fire, putting on each of us a little flame so that we may speak the truth more boldly, more loudly, more consistently, more clearly, and more lovingly. 
God, be with us in spite of us. Speak through me in spite of me. May we achieve, reach, see, and hold something beautiful, something holy, and something true. Amen. You probably won't believe this, but I uh, was a nerdy little kid. And as a nerdy little kid, one of the things I liked to do was make up words. I was not very good at making up words. <laughs> but a few years ago, I, right around the time when articles that were really just giant lists, called listicles, were making their move from junk magazines to BuzzFeed links and Facebook posts, I happened across one that described my experience really well. Somebody finally learned how to make up words because literally it described my experiences, this list of words, or rather, it literally described experiences that the author claimed everybody kind of has, but we don't have the words to say. John Koenig created his list of words that uh, are of common experiences that we just need a common word for. He uh, has a site called the, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. A few of my favorite words that Koenig crafted include sonder, the realization that each passerby has a life as vivid and complex as your own. Sit in a cafe, pretend you're a Frenchman, drink your coffee, and watch the cars go by. You will have the experience of sonder, I'm sure. Velicor, the strange wistfulness of used bookshops. Canopsia, the eerie, forlorn atmosphere of a place that's usually bustling with people, but is now abandoned and quiet, like Walmart after midnight. <laughs> An anadoke, a conversation in which everyone is talking, but nobody is listening. Yeah, we've had that one. <laughs> the first Pentecost day that we just heard read from Acts 2 sounds like anadoke in a lot of ways. A whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of languages that they didn't know when they woke up, all trying to speak at once. Like traveling to Midway, or especially O'Hare, it seems to be this mass of people speaking tongues, thoughts, ideas, all impressively simultaneously, and all that seems to be heard by no one. Now, Pentecost is an important day in the life of the church. It's one of the big three. Uh, with Christmas and Easter, where we remember one of the most important stories of our church, the Big C Church's story, the reception of the Holy Spirit, present among the early followers of the resurrected and now ascended Jesus in a very new, powerful, and linguistic way, God is here. And so we celebrate Pentecost every year, 50 days after Easter. And each year we remember that this act of the spirit being descended and received by the early followers of Jesus more than any other birthed the, the church, the big C church, all the Christians all around the world into being. Because our parents in faith knew that God is accessible to them, present among them, even if Jesus was not physically there. Pentecost, like Christmas and Easter, is a day which we celebrate the mighty works of God. Today, it's not the birth or the resurrection of Christ, but the assurance of God in our very breath, of a God that makes ways out of no ways, of the people of God, you, me, us, to be infused with power that's not our own. And it seems to look a lot like anecdote. 
I come from a big, loud family, the lot side. My dad is the youngest of four brothers, and I am the smallest brother of the smallest brother. My dad is six foot four, 200 er, pounds. <laughs> and so in their home growing up, I think Tom, Tim, Troy, and Chris, my dad's Chris at Costa Complex, I think they all learned how to be louder than the other three to try to be heard. And so when my mom would go and visit my dad's home around the holidays, she's a petite woman, 4'10 and a half, uh, or was a petite woman, uh, and an only child, she would go over to this house, the small three-bedroom house, and then she would leave and call my maternal grandmother as soon as she got home, because this was before cell phones, and she'd say, well, I'm finally off the merry-go-round. It was too much. And it's the merry-go-round version of Pentecost, the anecdote version of Pentecost that we get when we only focus on the speaking because it's a doozy to think that Galileans, those backwards, backwoods folks, suddenly knew the language of Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans, Arabs, you know, the whole world. These people suddenly became better than Google Translate. It's a miracle. But, there's a reason this story isn't anecdote. There's a reason that there's another miracle too. All these people heard. It wasn't a million mouths moving and not a single ear hearing. Even with everyone speaking at once, all these languages going on at the same time, it wasn't just chatter. No. Folks heard. People listened. That's a miracle. Listening is hard. That's why we don't do it very often. It requires that we might have a little pain. I think it might require that we undergo that Sonder experience that Koning talks about, of recognizing that someone else's life is rich and complex and painful and beautiful as ours. A life that likely included parents or is marked by the lack thereof a life of lovers and friends, of heartache and heartbreak, of triumphs and victories, along with losses and bruises. I invite you, if you have anything left in you after this week, to think about the week that we have heard together. This week particularly has been a hard one to have ears to listen. Every time I turned on the internet, uh, I read or heard one more thing that I really didn't want to hear. I suspect you heard with me a few of the things, like the news on Monday that 58 Palestinian protesters had been killed. That immigrants were called animals on Wednesday. That 10 have been wounded and 10 killed at Santa Fe High School outside of Houston, Texas on Friday. It's hard to hear. It's hard to keep listening. It's not just news around the world either. Showing up for each other Sunday to Sunday is not an easy task. It's not easy to keep our ears vulnerable. It's not easy, for example, for white folks to hear the ways that they are still enacting racism and white supremacy. 
And it's even less easy, it's hard, for people of color to hear microaggressions, slurs, or even worse, silence. It's not easy for men to hear the ways in which they're still boomingly projecting a masculine world. And it's even harder for women to hear sexist talk jokes or little comments that aren't so little after all. These examples are by no means exhaustive, rather they're representative of my experiences this week. The list goes on and on as we realize that listening can be, at times, a traumatic experience. And yet, as Pastor Emily reminded me this week, there is this double miracle. Not only were God's mighty deeds expressed, but those beautiful tongues of fire found ears that had not yet been closed up. There was absolutely the miracle of speech, but it was the miracle of hearing, too. And I'm beginning to suspect that the greater miracle was the one that we don't focus on as much, the one around the ears. Because it's so hard to keep our ears open, that's part of the reason we need that Holy Spirit, that we need the Holy Spirit at work among us. Elsewhere in the Bible, the Spirit is called a comforter, that the Spirit abides with us, that the Spirit gives us the strength and the hope that something good can be heard. And maybe I am drunk on the Spirit, but I tried to keep my ears open this week. And in the bad news, there was a lot of good news, too. I heard the voice of the Reverend Dr. William Barber, the principal leader, along with the Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, in rebirthing Martin Luther King Jr.'s last project, the Poor People's Campaign. When Dr. King was assassinated, one of the dreams that died with him was the further movement for our country to realize this intersection of poverty, racism, and the war economy through a new justice movement called the Poor People's Campaign. And the one that was resurrected this year, this past Sunday, in fact, focuses on these same issues while adding ecological devastation. The campaign began on Mother's Day, and it will run for six weeks with action every Monday. This past Monday, folks showed up to over 30 state houses, capitals, even the U.S. Capitol, to say, with many voices, one message, fight poverty, not the poor. And they'll be back tomorrow saying loudly that poverty, racism, the war economy, and ecological devastation are not political issues, much to the surprise of many. Rather, these are moral issues. These are the church's issues. These are the issues of people of faith, and they are our issues. This is our truth. Morality is where we speak. Speaking of Mother's Day, I heard with great happiness from friends that they went to see their mamas and that they celebrated well. And perhaps selfishly, I heard more nuance this year about the way in which this day is not unequivocally good, that grief and longing are also a part of this day, especially for those of us that celebrate Mother's Day in a different kind of way. I heard the news of the Ragnar Relay last Friday from Chicago to Madison, Wisconsin, where nine UVC folks showed up to run uh, for many miles, things I probably wouldn't do, enticed by donuts and friendship to build community, pounding the pavement. Pastor Emily, Joel, Greg and Colleen, Grant, Chris Kuhn from the uh, the, uh, South Loop site, John Shongho, Josh, and Felix all showed up to run together. That's pretty good. I saw Facebook, and I know many of you on there, we're friends, uh, and know... 
that most of you, Meghan Markle becoming the Duchess of Sussex, was good news too. Now, some of you also heard like British Empire, and that's decidedly not good news, so maybe we have to have one ear trained for one and one the other. I don't know. But I heard goodness this week too. And it was mixed in with the bad, sometimes the very same as the bad. And it was harder to hear because we also had a lot of tragedies, but it was there. And so church, this Pentecost Sunday, the question comes down anew. Do we have the energy to keep listening? Can we be like the pious Jewish people in the Pentecost story, gathered from every nation, still waiting to hear God? Can we accept the gift of the Spirit to strengthen our ears? In this third installment of our sermon series, Can I Get a Witness?, We are reflective that we have a story to tell as well. That gathering every Sunday morning at the southwest corner of Dorchester, southeast corner of Dorchester and 60th Street, through us, God makes a place, a place where all are welcome. Because we gather, because we gather, there is a place that folks who speak different tongues and have lived different lives are coming together to create a community that in so doing recreates each of us. Because we gather, there is a place where black and brown bodies are celebrated and gay, lesbian, bisexual, intersex, trans bodies are loved. Where tongues that question life, faith, or God aren't silenced, but part of the chorus of who we are. This is our church. This is us. It's not an NBC show. It's right here. This is our dialect. This is our song. We have welcome. We have welcome on down, welcome. We have room and spaciousness for you, for them, for us. We do have a story to tell, too. And for that reason, the miracle of hearing becomes all the more pressing. John Koenig, in his list of made-up words, has another that I would like to add to the mix. It is exolansis, the tendency to give up trying to talk about an experience because people are unable to relate to it, whether through envy or pity or simple foreignness, which allows it to drift away from the rest of your life story until the memory itself feels out of place, almost mythical, wandering restlessly in the fog, no longer even looking for a place to land. Excellences. Part of our Pentecost story is knowing that we will share our story and that no one person can relate to the entirety of who we are. It might even be that a whole church cannot relate to the entirety of who we are. But what we can provide to one another in good faith is listening, deep listening, listening that puts us vulnerable to actually being changed. Who we are, Urban Village Church, is a place gathered together, a people where deep relations can be made Or at least I hope that's who we are. That we are equipped with this kind of listening so that folks don't lose part of themselves in the process of trying to tell their truth. Because if we let our ears close over and it feels like anecdote where we are all chattering but none listening, then folks will stop telling their story. We will give up trying to talk about who we are. The deep knowledge that is within us, that is within our bodies, that is in with the relationships between us, that happen in this place will be lost if we're not good at telling it too. This is not unique to us. 
This is true for almost every community I know, schools, churches. They all have unique stories. Every church I've ever loved has a way of being in the world, a unique knowledge that forms in that place, whether it's a biblical insight or the way Vanilla's cheesecake tastes or seeing LV with a tiny tambourine. We all have these things. Every church I know has a history that's being rewritten by the people in the present with an eye to the future. And in this way, we are boringly the same. And yet this stuff that makes us and everyone else a church is the special stuff that we have a give and take, that we speak and listen, that we developed a dialect that reflects the many other communities that we are part of. It makes us normal, but it makes us stronger. And so what I mean is that we are the kind of church that knows both what a Eucharist is about and is excited about the Beyonce Mass that Grace Cathedral and San Francisco put on about a month ago. We are the kind of church that can sing hymns spirituals, Fleetwood Mac, and the Christmas rendition of Ultralight Beam. We are the kind of church that sits on the borderland between Woodlawn and Hyde Park. We are the kind of church that shows up at 10.30, maybe 10.35, but we also stay late to eat every single Sunday. We are the kind of church that loves imperfectly, but we try again and again and again. The world around us, our world, needs to hear our story, which means we tell it. And we have to tell the story of this place that we are creating and are recreated by because we see deeds of God's power here. Because our gathering together is a deed of God's power, because we know too many languages to stay silent. But the paradox, the catch-22, is that these are intertwined. We don't have anything to say unless we have first listened. If we don't listen, we won't be able to say and if we say, who will listen? And so look to your right, look to your left. See your neighbor, really, like full head spins. How can we hear each other so that we don't forget parts of ourselves, so we don't forget our story? Can we take turns so that in speaking, all of us remember the Spirit's story? We need to listen, and we need to be listened to I'm giving you this pep talk because keeping our ears open and our tongues aflame is hard. But it's the work to which we are called. Church, believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Believe the prophet Joel, who says that God says, that God says that in the spirit, which is poured out on all people, not just ones that look like me or Aaron, all people Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young will see visions. Elders will dream dreams on servants, on men, on women, on folks that don't identify with the gender. God pours out God's spirit and they will prophesy, which is to say they will tell the truth. They will speak the truth. And so let us celebrate today on our birthday is the Big C Church by speaking the truth we know, by listening to the others, by continuing to draw the circle wider, draw wider still, draw it so wide that everyone knows they are a child of God. Let's draw it so wide that everyone will know that they are a mighty work of God.
Thank you.